Hello, Mori family. You have made it through the first recording as you're now here. Let's take a moment to celebrate that your ears didn't bleed. All jokes aside, if you haven't already, please go back and listen to the first recording of Jean Mori. We will be right here once you catch up, we promise. As with the first episode, the recording isn't of the best quality. I'm using the tools I already have available, that is my iPhone. I promise to eventually buy a microphone and control the background noise, but until then, bear with me. Now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Richard Morey. I am here talking to my lovely daughter-in-law. She's going to ask me some questions about uh, my life, my early life, and I'm going to make up a few lies and tell her whatever she thinks she wants to hear. <laughs> Granddaughter-in-law. Um, yeah, that's right. Excuse me for that. <laughs> that's all right. Okay, so I guess let's start at the beginning. Um, where were you born? Born in Oak Park Hospital uh, in... Uh, just outside of Chicago, 1929, and uh, my mother uh, was was born uh, down in Georgia, and she uh, married married my father, and, uh, and I don't even know what year it was now. Come to think of it, but anyway, they they were married for quite a long time. And your mother's name and father's? My mother's name was Ola Bell, Ola Bell Rast Mori. My father's name was William Joseph Mori. And he was uh, the grand, the, the son of uh, another Mori, William Mori. I think they called him Willard most of Will most of the time. That was my grandfather, and uh, man, that's a long, long time ago. That's the, right about the time the turn of the century, 1900. So it goes back a ways. <laughs> well, let's um, talk about your childhood. Is that okay? T- talk about what? Your childhood. Okay. Any questions, or do you just want to... Well, yes, actually, um, because it is the holidays, and I asked this to Gigi um, before. Um, I guess the first question is, what, uh, what holiday, holiday is your favorite? My favorite holiday? I don't know. I suppose it'd be either Easter or Christmas. pretty hard to make up my mind between the two, but... Uh... They're both pretty dear to my heart. I have a lot of, a lot of good memories of family and, and, a, and different occasions and, and uh, just enjoyed having a family. We were always very close. Family life used to be a lot, bit, lot different than it is today. It used to be a, a real tight group and it was a, almost like a clan all, all of its own, all by itself. Today, families are largely broken up and dis- disoriented and don't seem to have the same sort of an attitude about love of family and, and relatives as uh, we did back then. Anyway, uh, 
my brother, my sister, part of part of my family, and uh, growing up, and we had we had a great time with our parents, and we learned a lot about God, learned a lot about work ethic, and learned a lot about being honest and truthful and fair. They 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 t they brought us up in a in a real Christian and logical and sane and safe manner and it was a pleasure for all of our kids to have been in, 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 uh, involved in such a loving kind of a family household and as I say it, it doesn't seem to be the same anymore. We were back you know, born back in what was called the greatest generation and uh, I'm, I'm really pretty proud of that. My, my generation is the one that defended this country against uh, Hitler and communism in the 30s and 40s. And uh, I'm, I'm just, as I say, pretty, pretty proud to be a part of what I think was the generation that made this country as great as it is. I think it's maybe turning a little towards the uh, socialism and communist ways today, but you know, I'm old, so it doesn't matter all so much for me. I worry a little bit about my kids, but uh, I, I think that uh, they'll survive all right, but uh, the country is certainly changing, and, and you can tell by the people that are running our government now, the Congress and the Senate, the different attitudes that they have about life and, and government and and rights and who, who, get, who gets what and who, uh, who, who must work and who must be given everything they want. So uh, anyway, very proud of being part of that generation. I spent a couple of years in the Army. Really, it didn't accomplish much of anything. I got in at the end of the Korean War and uh, was supposed to be involved in the working on the atomic cannon and it took a quite a long time to get my clearance. At that time, they had something called a Q clearance, which is about as far as you could go, as far as I know, at least, in the, in the uh, government clearance business. But when I finally did get it in the school that I, for the atomic cannon, took well over a year. I had only one year left and they asked me to re-up for a couple of more years so I could go to, go to this school and I decided uh, I did not wish to have any more than my compulsory two years in the Army. So uh, they declined that and sent me off to Fort Bragg and they found, found that I could type and that I was a high school a college graduate. So first thing you know, I was a company clerk which was kind of nice because then I didn't have to do much of any sort of work. KP, which is short for kitchen police, of course. And uh, I just uh, pretty much was at the women fancy of, of the, of the uh, sergeant who ran the company. And he, as I said, made me this company clerk. And then I was made the guide on to, which was, I mean, when you go out and march here, you're the one that, that uh, stands to the front and right of everyone when you're making a, ma making a march. And, 
And again, it was a pretty much of a fruitless year, but I did meet, meet some good friends in the in the service and had a lot of fun. Supposedly, uh, mainly mainly on uh, times when we got leave and we'd go off base for for a night of. I, I learned I learned very well how to drink beer. <laughs> I was a champion at that <laughs> for a couple of years or for a year rather. And it was a interesting time in the service that I did meet some pretty nice guys. I met some some few scumbags along the way too, but they probably thought of me as a scumbag too. So <laughs> anyway, it was a it was a time that I had in my my life, and I enjoyed it. Stayed out of mischief more or less, and finally got out of the service and uh, came back and went to work with. Uh, my dad, my brother, they were running a company making parts for the for the government uh, for radio uh, transmitter and receiver sets. And it was pretty good business for a number of years. My father made made a, quite a bit of money for a couple of years. And, and, uh, and then the wars were over, fortunately, and the need for this equipment dissolved and his business was folding. And this is about the time that I had gotten out of the service and came back and was working for him, trying to find something to do. We had a good customer over at uh, Zenith Radio Corporation, resulted from my father's uh, relationship with uh, one of the chief buyers over there at, uh, at Zenith. We uh, were able to kind of keep business limping along for a while, making little parts that were used in hearing aids and and uh, other parts of their uh, business. We, we made other things for radio sets that the Zenith used and uh, finally got into making cord reels through, from a guy named Cost, who had developed this, uh, designed this, this cord reel for Zenith that would uh, carry the uh, electrical cord, the power cord, uh, and it, it required a little bit of engineering, and he had designed this cord reel, which we took over and made for Zenith for quite a number of years, and finally it kind of advanced into a, oh, good Lord, morning, excuse me. Oh, of course. That was our grandson and our future granddaughter okay they called to tell us personally that they are engaged okay <laughs> and they're going to make the announcement christmas eve but they wanted us to know before anyone. okay well they're making a big deal out of this and i think that's nice it yeah. is a pretty big deal it is so they just you know, just hung up with them and, Oh, they're, you can tell in their voice how excited they are. Yeah, well, so. this is the first time, and hopefully the last time. <laughs> yeah, she's a sweet girl. So anyway, I said, now all you have to do is work hard and finish school. <laughs> I, some people, like me, I couldn't help but well, just... Well, isn't this his last year? Yes, I believe so. I wonder if he has any idea what he's going to do. Probably not, huh? He wants to be an entrepreneur, I think. 
Or he wants to be a salesman. He wants to be a rich businessman. Yeah, he he wants to be a salesman, I think. Well, he can't be both. Well, I think he wants to work for the corporation. Oh, you think so? Mm -hmm. I do think so. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well, I better get back to my... Okay. Speechifying here. Where was <laughs> I? So we were made. We made this cord reel for Zenith that that went into a radio uh, called the Transoceanic, and uh, made those for a number of years. And and that business gradually slowed a little bit. We were also making a something called a silver mica condenser, which is a piece of mica with silver screened on both sides, which then makes it a capacitor, and it's used in uh, RF radio frequency and IF intermediate frequency transformers. We made these for Zenith Radio Corporation for a number of years, and they, you know, these things were worth like nothing. I mean, I shouldn't say nothing. They were worth about less than two cents a piece. So you had to make a whole lot of them to even make a dollar. And uh, then you need a whole lot of dollars to even make 50 cents worth of profit. So it was not exactly extremely remunerative, but finally we did get some more customers making that and able to keep the business going when my dad was ready to close it up, close up the business because we didn't have enough really to keep us going. My wife was working at the time as a school teacher, and she said she, she'd, uh, she was working, uh, making a lot more money than I was, as a matter of fact. And it was, it was really touch and go there for a long time, but I felt like we could make the business go. And finally, something came along in the cordial business, a bid for a cord reel device that was used in a field radio for the signal core was being purchased uh, by the government. They had this formal bid process and they were going to buy some 2,500 of these cord reels. And I spent an awful lot of time preparing our bid for that, for that, uh, uh, that bid opening, and uh, and this was potentially uh, two or three hundred thousand dollars worth of business, which is far far beyond anything we had ever seen before in terms of actual money. And uh, as I say, spent a lot of time doing that and uh, working it, trying to find the, the best possible vendors that I could and. Uh, so finally we made our bid and they had a formal opening and uh, to my great uh, disappointment, we were not the low bidder. We were second low and I was, I was devastated. I had planned on this to kind of keep the business alive and, and I thought we might really have to close it up because I couldn't find anything else to build as a, as a job shop to keep our business going. But, Lo and behold, I got a call a week or so after the opening uh, from the government telling me that they had to that they had to throw out the low bidder because they found out that he was financially incapable of carrying out this business. And 
making the necessary purchase of parts and buying the necessary items. And we were barely able to do anything of that, meet that requirement ourselves because we had no, no money, no business. But anyway, we did finally get an order. And it was, uh, as I remember now, it was about $175,000 worth of these cord reels. 5,000 of them or so at $4.05 a piece. And I remember that like yesterday. And finally, we, 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 all, we all went out and celebrated and spent half the, half the potential profit on the job celebrating one night with the whole <laughs> family and everybody involved in it. Anyway, uh, we started making cord reels then for the government. We made a few and, and, a, and a guy at uh, Western Electric in Kearney, New Jersey, somehow heard of us and he has need of a cord reel of a similar design and function to be used in a secretarial switchboard. And how he heard of us, I never did find out, but he did, came to visit us one day and asked us to bid on this cord reel, which was, as I say, very much like in design and function, very much like the one that we were making for the government. And uh, we gave him a price and he said, holy smokes, that's way too low. You're going to have to raise your price, <laughs> which is the one and only time that ever happened to me for a bidder to say, please make, make your bid higher. But it, as it turned out, he had been paying about $25 a year a, a piece for these things for many oh, years. And he felt that if he were to go back with, with such a great savings, his boss would have told him what an idiot he was for not finding a lower price sooner. So we negotiated a, a more friendly price to everybody, in which we were obviously very happy with, but as months went by and, and additional orders came in, we kept lowering the price until we got it to a point where we were both quite happy with it. And that was our beginning of our relationship with, with Western Electric, who was the manufacturing arm for AT&T. And uh, at that time, another new product was coming along, something called a printed circuit board assembly, where instead of having a, a, a lot of wiring going all over the place, they would have a piece of of non-conductive material, in this case it was a phenolic, that they used as the base and then they put all the components for the circuit on this board, and this circuit board, and this circuit board had a pattern of, uh, of uh, lead um, laid right into it so that we all you had to do was put the components on there and then they were connected uh, appropriately uh, to, to the rest of the circuit parts. And this was a very simple amplifier board with probably 15 or 20 components on it all together, resistors, capacitors, transistors, transformers, and so on. And no, I take it back, that was before we even had transformers available, transistors available. And that we, we made for, for Western Electric, New Jersey. And I remember our soldering rather than having the machines that we have today that are very sophisticated and refined. We used to, we had a little solder pot about two feet long, foot and a half wide, 
and we had the solder in there and we held this thing by hand and passed it over this hot molten solder to to affect the, the soldering process and uh, it was it was almost laughable when you think of the way <laughs> parts are made today and, the, and the, the machines that we have today that will put on hundreds of parts on a board in an, in an hour resistors capacitors and and uh, it, it's well it's it's been a quite a transition and we are still in the business then of making printed circuit boards in a variety of uh, needs, uh, electronic uh, electronics has has really blossomed in its need all over the the world of, uh, of automobiles and radios and everything you can think of now is as as econo as uh, electronics in it. We are in, much involved in that. And uh, that's kind of keeping us busy today where we have uh, several machines that uh, put all these components on boards automatically, turn them over, put, uh, put them on the other side of the board, pass them through uh, over to inspection, and they pop out the other end and pretty much all you have to do is put in the box and ship it. So uh, our, our business has, has really uh, really uh, grown quite a bit in the, in the ensuing years since the first funny little board we made for uh, for Kearney, New Jersey back in uh, probably that was the 1960s somewhere maybe early 70s I'm not quite sure I don't remember but uh, it's been a it's been a great trip we've had an awful lot of fun we've made a lot of good friends we've we had our greatest success probably with Caterpillar. Uh, over the years we've had uh, almost at any one time it seems there was always one customer that kept us going. Uh, uh, Minneapolis Honeywell at one time and the U.S. government at one time accounted for probably 95% of our business. And then for many years and even up to today Caterpillar's is responsible for a major part of our business. Their their business today seems to be shrinking quite a bit, and we are getting a little more involved in the IoT, which is the information of things, and uh, that's a whole new world we're getting into now. And one of one of the things that we're soon going to be making right now is, of all things, a toilet uh, <laughs> control, which. Uh, I'm I'm always a little uncomfortable even talking about about this, but it's a it's where you go to the bathroom and it has this device that that cleans you, blows you dry, blows some scent on you, and <laughs> and, and I, I I I really, as I say, I have a tough time talking about it. But at any rate, uh, we're going to be making those uh, very soon. We're we're involved in a lot of development projects now for some very good customers and our, our business had been kind of limping along when we were trying to get into the automotive business. We had one good customer called uh, uh, GHS Grand Haven Stamping Company. Uh, who said, how they said? Well, anyway, it was making a printed circuit board assembly that was used in 
went finally into, into automobiles, and it was the device that turned the engine on and off when you were trying to save fuel. When you came up to a stop sign, the engine would turn off, and, uh, and then as a minute you stepped on the gas, it would turn, on, turn back on again. So it did affect a, a great savings in fuel, and uh, we made uh, millions of those devices for this Grand Haven company and we thought we might be able to get into other automotive businesses. We never were able to. They're much too competitive. Uh, the margin between uh, material cost and sales price was sometimes as low as 17%. And 17% doesn't leave a, an awful lot for, uh, for labor and overhead and hopefully it's profit. So now at any rate, we are getting involved in the IoT world and uh, the customers that we have potentially, right now we have we have orders we're not yet producing, but uh, the world has finally turned from a little bit gray as it has been for us business-wise for a couple of years now. It's really looking like it's going to be a, a great thing next year and the year after that. And hopefully I'll be along, around here long enough to see how well it develops. But uh, the, the future indeed looks very bright. We've got some great people working for us. My son Dana, now uh, running the business after I was the caretaker for a while. Scott did a great job during the halcyon days at Caterpillar when they were throwing business at us left and right. Business went very well then. And Jay has always been in there helping, helping us run it and both from a uh, standpoint of how to how to do things and how to make things, but how to make customers happy, and he's been a great asset. The three boys have been a great contribution to the company. Our son Bill uh, is not incl inclined at all. He spent one half day working at the company right after high school or right after college, and he decided this is not the way that he wanted to spend the rest of his life. So he worked for our company one half day. That's it. <laughs> anyway, he's still a part of it and, uh, and owns a part of it, but, but his contribution has been uh, more and more encouraging and, and than, than factual, but uh, uh, he's, they've all, they've all uh, contributed a lot, and, and uh, without the, the four of them, I, uh, the business could not have survived, that's for certain. We had, as I said, some really tough years in the past few, few years, but the, the future looks so bright right now. Got grandkids come along, and I'm talking to the, to the wife of a, of a grandson of ours who is probably going to be involved in the company, running the company one day. And I, at least I hope he will. He's been run, doing a great job so far, making cord reels for us. One of the one of the customers, toughest customers in the world. They're uh, they're Japanese and they are really really difficult to 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 work with. Uh, the first thing that he learned and, and we all had to learn was that any when anybody from Japan during any kind of a meeting says yes to you, that does not mean necessarily yes that you agree with anything. It all all it means is yes. I heard what you said. 
So that took us a long time to understand, and, and it's taken Alex a long time, I think, to finally get that drilled into his head, too. But uh, he's done a great job running that part of the business, the core reel business, and it's still going well and promises to continue for, for quite a while. And uh, I'm very encouraged right now, as I say, with the IoT field that's laying out there ahead of us, lying up there ahead of us, excuse my English, and uh, I think we are going to see some great financial days. It's my desire to see that we can make everybody over there millionaires before the, before I depart this earthly veil. So I'm telling them all to get busy and work hard, make a lot of money and get the business going so, so it can happen. And I'm not going anywhere for a long time, although I did hit the magic age of 90 not too long ago. But anyway, it's been a wonderful life. I have the greatest wife that God could ever have imagined. She's put up with me for over 60 years now, and that's, that's a miracle all by itself. I'm not always the toughest guy in the world to get along with, but I, I am frequently, certainly not the easiest one to get along with either. either so. Anyway, it's been a it's been a fun life. I have a great deep regard for my family, a deep, a deep love of, for God and 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 what uh, He has done for our country. And I, I'm proud to be a part of this, of of, of an part be an American and part proud to be in the company that I'm in, and and so proud of my family and what they've all done individually and. You know, there's hardship everywhere you look, uh, look, and in our family there is too. It's with some of my mother's family, my wife's family has had terrible hardships. But uh, anyway, uh, God has treated us all very well, and I thank Him, thank Him every day for being the God that He is and keeping us all going and providing for us as He has and uh, and making this a life that He has and allowing us to be helpful, I think, in providing a, a nice life for a lot of other people in this world. That's always been my, my greatest uh, obligation is to find a way to provide a, a living for, for the head of household of probably at this point in our, in our country, probably two or three hundred people who are heads of household and they're depending on our ability to to make a living for them, so uh, it's it's been it's been a load for me, and uh, and I, I I don't regret a bit of it. It's been awful hard at sometimes of going out without get, earning any money for or getting any salary for as long as two years at a time. But uh, we have survived, and uh, we have loved it, and and we thank God for everything He's done for us. And looking forward to saying hi when I get up to heaven, and I, I hope I get up there one of these days. No, let's wait a few, what? at least another, like, 15 years. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so. 15, if not more. Well, more. that would make me pretty old, but I, <laughs> no, why not? It wouldn't be a record. I, had, I have read that uh, there are, uh, what, what, do, what do they call these people that work a deal in old age? Not genetics, well, whatever they call them. This group has determined that, that there is living today someone in this world who's going to live to live to be 140 years old. Oh my goodness. Now it's probably 
a newborn baby in Indonesia or something like that, for all I know. But these are smart people who have come to this conclusion with the, the, the medicines that we have today and the improvements we've had in, in uh, keeping people alive, and, and, you know, and, it, and it makes sense to me. Yeah. So you look at the Bible, you know. You know, Methuselah, Noah, a few of those guys lived to, lived to be into their, what is it, seven or eight hundred years old? I can't remember now what the Bible says. Sorry, Lord, I forgot. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's been such a, such a great ride. I'm so grateful for being, for having been provided the ability to participate in it. And, I, and I'm so happy to have the family around me. And one of them is sitting across from me right now. Darling little girl, one of the cute, cutest <laughs> in the whole country. Anyway, uh, thank you again, Lord, and uh, that's about all I got to say for the moment. And that is the end of the first Richard Mori interview. I know it was so short and we didn't cover much, but we will be back with more. This is the Christmas gift that keeps on giving. So tune in in a couple of weeks, or if you can, subscribe to get notifications once a new interview is released. Also, if you have any ideas or suggestions on topics you'd like for me to cover, please feel free to email me. And if you'd like to take part of an interview, please don't be shy. After all, we're family, and the worst case scenario is that you'd be picked on a little bit during our next gathering. Until next time, 